The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Two and a half years ago, a junior explorer called De Grays was finding it particularly challenging to raise much-needed funds for further exploration. They'd been in the game for 20 years, they'd been patient, they'd been persistent, then all of a sudden they became an overnight sensation. They hit pay dirt, a multi-million ounce gold mine not far from Port Hedland and just 13 k's from one of the sites pegged and being explored by the company we're about to jump in for a chat with. Golden State Mining is joining us on this edition of Stock Insiders, and they're not just hunting for gold and forward-facing commodities. Wait till you hear the solution their founder and MD has come up with to inject money into exploration, and which he says is the way to solve the looming critical minerals shortage. I'm Christina Morrissey. Welcome to you, and let me introduce you to the British backpacker who discovered the riches of Western Australia a couple of decades ago and was hooked. Mike Moore, hello. Hello, Christina. Great to join you today. Excellent. Now, you are both MD and founder of Golden State Mining. You're also a mining engineer, so not a geo. How is it then that you're in the thick of the world of junior explorers? Uh, Well, it's a long story, really. But I guess when I arrived here in Western Australia, it was a case of finding any job that would provide me with that lifeline to stay. And it was a pretty tough time in the market back in 2000. You know, gold was sub 300 an ounce. People often find it difficult to think back that far in those difficult times. But I got a gig in contracting, in mining contracting, and that was the sort of start of my career. But since then, I've had opportunities. I've skirted and flirted with the junior mining sector. And interestingly, it just was the thing that resonated with me. I liked the dynamic nature of it. Very, very different. Every day uh, is a new challenge. And, you know, we get to travel to great parts of this state. And for me, it provided that that variety that I was looking for in my career. It's definitely a challenging environment. It's not easy. Uh, we're effectively businesses without an income. We're just spending money. And a lot of pressure comes with that, pressure to deliver results for shareholders, quite obviously, who expect you know, a high standard of work. They expect you to have the best technical people to deploy on the assets, but that sort of, you know, vibrancy, dynamism, it just really resonated with me. And I find that excitement of this particular sector something that keeps me going and gets me out of bed every day. Now, I've actually um, logged on and seen a couple of the videos that Golden State Mining has produced. You're really good at getting your story out there and bringing people on the journey with you. So kudos to you and the team for that. Now, as far as the exploration goes, you've, you've cast the net fairly wide across WA. It's the nation's biggest and most productive mining state. What exactly are you exploring for and where? Absolutely. What a place to be operating. I mean, when we started the company, you know, you've got to have a simple message that resonates with investors and shareholders. So you've got to keep the story simple and you've got to try and keep it as low risk as possible. And there is no better jurisdiction to be operating than Western Australia. I think that's been enhanced now over the past two or three years with the significant investment we've seen internally and externally into this state and what we can and what we can deliver globally 
Uh, we've got a great endowment of minerals here. We've got some really fantastic people operating in the exploration sphere uh, looking to deliver that future demand. What, what are you exploring for, though? I want to know what you're exploring for. Gold, obviously. <laughs> For us as a company, it meant that you know this was the place we had to operate and we had to consider the sorts of projects we felt would be appropriate. And for us, it was gold. WA has a fantastic history of, of gold mining and it's a commodity that investors very well understand. You've got the gold price on the television every evening. People are you know fairly well informed. The other commodity that we quite liked, and by virtue of our project in the Pilbara, where at that time we had about 340-odd square kilometres close to that degray discovery, as you mentioned earlier, being introduction, that ground had been identified in the mid-2000s as being prospective for you know, tantalum, gold, um, but we now know that you know associated with tantalum, we have lithium. So from our perspective, that ground offered us a couple of real bonuses. It was prospective for gold, and that's been demonstrated with Hemi Discovery only 13 Ks away, but it was also prospective for lithium because we had the right granites there, the right fertile granites, the right structure and environment. So for us, it, uh, it really ticked a couple of boxes with respect to what investors would be keen on. And as we've seen in the last three to four years, investors' understanding of the importance of lithium uh, to our future energy needs has been cemented. Uh, people understand the importance of lithium in their everyday lives. They see it with their mobile devices, perhaps their battery storage in their homes. So for us, two commodities that really had a spotlight shone on them. And again, the work that we do, we have to be able to market what we're doing. And so the commodities that we're looking for your average investor has to understand the meaningfulness of those particular commodities. And that's why we felt those were two great commodities to be working on and working in WA. Yeah, you are out at Southern Cross as well, though, aren't you? We are indeed. And that was that was gold. We identified that about 18 months ago. So we'd like to we like to keep a bit of a mix of projects in the portfolio. Obviously, you know, we listed, we had a project in the Murchison. We did the work on that. It wasn't making the grain technically. So we parked that and ultimately we're looking to move that on to, to somebody else. You've got to keep the portfolio refreshed. You've got to keep interest there for investors. As you do work, you either enhance the opportunity of a project or in fact, the drilling may well turn out to deliver not the greatest results. And so you've got to understand whether you keep an asset or you move it on. So from our perspective, it's about keeping a very vibrant portfolio, uh, assets that we're continuing to work on and we're moving forward from a technical perspective. And there will be other assets in the portfolio that just aren't making the grade and you move those on. So we've always got to look over the horizon for new opportunities that we can bring in. And I guess our modus operandi has been Let's work internally. Let's not necessarily go out and buy assets, um, dilute the, the share structure of the business. Let's go and do some good technical work with our own technical team and our close group of you know, high quality consultants. Let's go and find ground that's available, that's vacant to, to be pegged. Uh, and let's bring that into the company on the basis of some sound technical work. And then it's a very low cost of acquisition. And if ultimately we make a, a Greenfields discovery on that ground, 
the returns and the benefits to shareholders can be much greater because we haven't spent a lot of money on acquisition. Where we spend a little bit of money is on some good technical people doing great work. And then we go out and we start that process. And, you know, the video that we put out last week, the one that you may have seen from Payne's Find, was just a little insight, a little snapshot of that early stage work that we do. We'd secured 1,200 square kilometers up there in the, in the Murchison region at Payne's Find. And great area to be operating, very easy for us to get there, great access. And that first stage of work is that soil sampling work. People got a bit of an insight into what's involved in that. And then you build up your targets, you identify your targets, and then hopefully later this year, you've got sufficient confidence in those targets that you're putting a drill rig on the ground. And it's the drill rig that'll help you decipher whether you've got a potential ore body there or not. But that project specifically, I mean, I guess people, when they might think of Payne's Fine, they might think of its gold history. But, you know, we did the work, we looked at the geophysics, the magnetics, and we decided that it was an area that had great potential for lithium. And of course, that fitted perfectly with our portfolio and what we're aspiring to do. Yeah, now I've had a look through your, your list of assets. I calculate nine. Is, is, would that be about right? That's, that's about right. Yes, yes. And obviously, you know, you're constantly looking at that portfolio and prioritizing projects and, and demoting projects depending on that work that you do. Um, a couple of projects we did pick up because we felt they were fantastic opportunities to secure very, very high quality targets. Um, whether we were going to explore those on our own or whether we might joint venture those, that gave us some optionality. But at the time when we did a targeting study over the whole of WA, there were a couple of projects that were perhaps a little bit of a stretch for us, but we thought, well, they're, they're too good not to pick up and not to have in a portfolio. And then we've got some optionality with those as well. All right, Mark, close your eyes. What's exciting you amongst the opportunities you've identified so far? Which are the ones that you really get excited by? I would say that the, the Pilbara for us at the moment and Payne's Fine. The Pilbara particularly, we've been there now on ground for about two and a half years. We've taken it from effectively Greenfield's pasture um, to a project that has a legitimate lithium target on it and we will be looking to drill that after easter with rc rc rigs are when you're starting to get serious about the work that you're doing and you're deploying those uh, they've got the ability to penetrate quite deep and you get a lot of material available to assay and to analyze so that's really quite serious so and we've actually named the prospect it's the nomad prospect you know what often these targets will have various numbers, but by the time you get to christening it with a name, it, it means that its importance has been elevated within the company. You've given it an actual identity. And then shareholders get to understand that and they can associate that with the work that you're doing. So I would say that, you know, post-Easter RC drilling on that Nomad Lithium prospect where we've got all the indicator minerals, it's really quite a serious opportunity. So the tech data that I've looked at show that you've actually only sampled about 14% of the overall um, project area in that area. So there's heaps more to go and have a little look at. Certainly at the uh, project at Payne's Find, in terms of the soil sampling that we've undertaken so far, we've, yeah, we've only covered 14% of the whole project area. So there's plenty of upside and, well, there's plenty more work to do, and that's the work that we're doing right now. 
And when we consider Yule, yes, we've drilled 55,000 metres there over the last two and a half years, and we are by far, after De Grey, the most active explorer in that area. And if you're not putting holes in the ground, you're not giving investors a chance, a hope of making a discovery. Um, but in that area particularly, we've only drilled on average one hole per square kilometre. Now, obviously, in some areas, we've got a much greater density, but what it demonstrates is, is that we've got 700 square kilometres there, and there's still plenty of opportunity. Yes, we've got a high priority lithium target there, but we've still got lots of other targets, and we've got an Air Corps program planned for later this year to take into account those other targets. So it really is, I mean, given the magnitude of the degrade discovery there, what it says is that that region has got the opportunity to liberate some cracking deposits. And we know it's really prospective for lithium. We've got the old Wind Creek copper mine not far away. One of the highest grade silver mines in West, in Australia is in that region, a small mine admittedly. So really that area has been dismissed over the years. There's a little bit of cover there. There's not a lot of outcrops. So geologists haven't necessarily been drawn to it. But what we've seen with the work that we've done and the work that the Grey and others have done is that it's an area of significant opportunity. You've just got to be dedicated to the cause and you've got to be drilling holes. They've got to be drilling holes and drilling holes costs money, doesn't it? It does indeed, yes. You are one of the junior explorers who's pretty vocal about the challenges facing your sector as they look to find these minerals that are going to meet the future demands. What are the challenges? Is it purely money? It pretty much is one of the major challenges for any committed junior explorer that's that's genuinely active with their exploration programs. I mean, at the moment, we, we are looking, society is saying to us, to everybody, that we want to see this transition away from fossil fuels. Okay, that's, that's fairly well entrenched now. But in order to deliver that effectively, we are going to require more minerals to be liberated from the ground. And what that also means is that we need to we need to sort of fast track and supercharge our exploration activities globally, and particularly here in West Australia, where we've got a great endowment of those minerals that are in high demand, particularly lithium and perhaps rare earths as well, copper too. How do we do that effectively? How do we deliver into that demand? And so from, from our perspective, I mean, what we've seen, Christina, over the last probably six to 12 months is we're seeing some of those industrial groups getting directly involved with the mining companies. If we think of the Teslas of the world, the VWs, and some of the big industrial groups out of Asia, they're starting to dip their toe into the water, into that mining sphere. Whereas previously they'd be just content with offtake arrangements, maybe some provisional funding, um, assisting with debt facilities and that sort of thing. That's simply not enough. And to secure that offtake, to secure that supply of minerals is getting very critical. And so what they're looking at is getting directly involved with the mining companies and also those companies with perhaps more advanced exploration assets. But that's still not going to be enough. They're going to have to come further down the chain and they're going to have to get involved with, you know, obviously my job is to promote gold state mining and all of its credentials as I see them in terms of our technical prowess the quality of the ground that we have. But it's not just us. There are other great companies that are operating out there. In the cutting edge of exploration, in the greenfields realms, we're the ones making those blind discoveries that are going to feed into that future demand. But funding is always a challenge for groups like ours. So once you've made that discovery, it's very easy. People are, people are looking at you. They're wanting to get involved in your business and provide you with that funding. 
when early stage with us, we're very reliant on those shareholders to, 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 to back us, to support us. And, but we also know that the, the markets are very fickle. They're up and down. Sentiment changes, you know, from one month to the next. And so if you're looking to raise money at a time of poor sentiment, it's very, very difficult. What we're saying is that these industrial groups, I feel, will be looking further down the line and looking at groups that have very prospective ground, good technical people are operating in very safe and well-regulated jurisdictions. And they'll be looking to make investments to help these companies move forward their exploration, enhance it. And it's also about funding that doesn't dilute the current shareholders. So we're talking about non-dilutive funding. And what would you look to trade? Well, perhaps a, a proportion of future offtake. That's what these companies are looking for. So we as juniors have got to be innovative. We've got to think of you know, new ways to secure funding and to focus the eyes of investors and those ultimate end users of the products that we're looking for, the minerals that we're looking for, to attracting them to our business. So that's that's something that we're always active. I've been, you know, I have said, as you've alluded to previously on a number of occasions, that these groups have got to entertain that. And, you know, we're out there having conversations with multiple groups about inviting them down to our level. Admittedly, at the moment, you know, we're considered to be you know, a high-risk opportunity for those guys. I like the way you put it as a high-risk opportunity, not a high-risk investment. You've already put the positive spin on the, on the, the group. Well, it is. It, it, you, I mean, for investors, why do they invest in companies like ours? Because they see a, a significant upside. You, know, you make a discovery, and if you've been a chalice or you've been a been a degree, you can see that the amazing journey that that takes shareholders on. If you make a greenfields discovery and a world class discovery, it's it, it, it significantly changes opportunities for investors and the company. And so that's why people you know get involved with companies like ours because they see that there can be some some good upside in the discovery. With 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 that in mind, and I'm thinking from an investor's point of view, and there'll be a number of us sitting out here listening to you, you know, we hear hear the word off take agreement and on about it, you think, well, there, there's a guaranteed income. Uh, we'll look at more favorably at investing in your company. So if you can convince people to in in the industrial groups to invest in you and your exploration. Do you think that will have a similar effect on potential investors and stock prices? It'll go up, interest will go up, prices will go up? Well, you never know. But what it does do, I guess, is it endorses a the opportunity that you have and that you've offered to a group such as that. Um, and they would have obviously done their own technical due diligence, due diligence. They will have assessed the technical team that you have and the company and the way it's conducted its activities and that it's a act, genuinely active explorer. And if we get the opportunity one day to cement a relationship with a group like that, that's obviously got to be seen as a positive from a shareholder's perspective because it's, it's also endorsing their decision to invest in you as a company. Is anyone actually doing this at the moment or is this your, your great idea? I don't know. But, you know, I, I, I met with a like-minded individual, you know, some time ago and they gave me an insight into that space and the challenges in that space. These industrial groups are facing securing your long-term supply and medium-term supply. And they're worried about where they're going to find this future supply. So he was sensing that there was a, a growing appetite to, to look at explorers 
and you know, possibly supporting them and getting involved with them and building relationships with them early on. So for me, that was a that, that, that was a that was a sort of light bulb moment. We were both agreed that that's something that simply has to happen, and um, and it's also Christine. It's about where you source your your your, your future materials. And obviously, you know, we're consumers are very passionate about you know these ethically produced, ethically sourced products. And so these industrial groups are going to have to demonstrate that they have sourced these materials from countries where they've got good environmental policies, good ESG policies, and that you're doing the right thing. And of course, that's that's very easy to demonstrate here in Australia where we've got a good regulatory framework. It's a really interesting conversation. You and I could talk for ages, uh, but time is beating us. So we're going to have to, to hang up the microphones. Thanks so much for coming on the program today. A pleasure, Christina. Good on you. Mark Moore from Golden State Mining. And as we've heard, they do have a foothold in nine distinct mineral fields across WA. There's actually several new and existing opportunities being pursued in 2023. You can go on and have a look at the, the website for more on that one. But I think what's really interesting from that conversation is that idea and that push to raise capital to fund exploring through the junior explore for the junior explorers through the industrials who actually need those forward-facing commodities. It'll be interesting to see what change that makes for us as investors as the, the months and years go on if someone takes it up. I'd love to hear what you think. Post your comments in. That's it for this edition of Stock Insiders. I'm Christina Morrissey and we'll talk to you again soon.